Welcome to the Time for Two Guy Show. We're your hosts, Stephen Holgate. On today's episode, we are continuing with our third installment of Dean Month. And we have, I believe, one of the most inspirational men I have ever met in my life. Uh, notable camp accomplishments. He is a College League Achievement winner for the 2013 Bowdoin Polar Bears and the 2016 UVA Cavaliers. He won the uh, Best Supporting Actor some year. He won the Best Actor in 2016 for Best uh, for Some Like It Hot. And in 2017, he won the Playhouse Achievement Award after his phenomenal performance in Willy Wonka. He was most recently the Dean of Loyola Greyhounds, but that's not his best achievement. Because in 2015, this man won a Basketball Achievement Award. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Zachary Stern. <laughs> pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. 2015, it was actually, that was the year I won the supporting actor. That was for Louis Tully in Ghostbusters. But oh, yes. nothing, nothing tops the, the basketball achievement honor. Wow, that that Ghostbusters cast was pretty elite then. Looking back, so it had yeah. you, it had Billy Barlio. Who, who else was in that? Alex Freeman, Andy Kaplan, Robbie yeah. Moret. Texas was an elite. Yeah. Texas was an elite team. Well, Robbie was definitely about Texas. Was Robbie in Ghostbusters? Yeah, I thought he had some like he was like a cop or something. Like he had like a no. Jared, no, Jared was the cop. Jared, Robbie Jared was, was Robbie was de- Robbie was definitely in it. He had like a no lines room. He was definitely in it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, Texas was just stacked. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a great tangent to start it off. Well, Zach, how you been? Where have you uh, what have you been up to since camp? Um, I'm I'm great, you know. I'm just over at I'm in St. Louis right now, a school here at Wash U. Um, with with some notable Camp Manto alumni, uh, Sam Meiselman. And uh, as well as West Virginia Dean Ethan Roberts, uh, John Stepakoff also went here. Noah Roberts, so uh, a deep, a deep Manitou history here. Wow. Um, and yeah, I've just been hanging out, going to school, uh, enjoying my classes. Uh, it's been great at school, but now that I'm here on the Ten for Two Guys show, um, it really puts in perspective uh, just how much. I'm uh, I'm appreciative to to spend my summer in camp and, and had this wonderful wonderful experience. Yeah, so let's just get already get in, get into the summer or sort of let's. I guess for, for everyone in Loyola, they would have known this, but let's start with sort of like why did you pick Loyola? Like, what about the school made you want to do it in college league? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so I I uh, I mean I've, I think I've said this a million times over the course of summer. I grew up right across the street from Loyola. Um, so it was definitely always something that it was always a school that like was on my radar. Um, it was something that Daniel, my older brother, um, for anyone who doesn't know, was like Daniel Stern, 2014 dean of the USC Trojans. Um, it was a school he considered, and I, I knew that at the time. So it was definitely in the back of my mind. Um, I'd say for a really long time, I wasn't sure what school I wanted to be. I can, I, I kind of had the perspective that like. I don't think the school mattered that much. I think that like you can, regardless of what school you are, you can um, find new traditions. You can find fun things to do. You can build a culture, and that really like what matters the most is just like the is all that stuff, which is not really um, which doesn't come just based on the school you choose. So I wanted to choose something that was meaningful to me, um, and I think that you know growing up right next door playing catch in the backyard um, and, and on their fields, driving through their campus on the way home to school was uh, just a huge part of my childhood. Um, it was home to me. I wanted to make my team feel like a home for everyone who was on it. 
And so that was that was a big reason when I chose the school. Awesome. Those are those are some great reasons right there. Hopefully, uh, so many. So hopefully, some uh, future dean candidates will uh, go on that same reasoning because I definitely think the more and more we see college league, the more and more we see a departure from like the traditional top schools. Obviously, we've seen a lot of like more popular ones recently, Ohio State, Clemson, stuff like that. But it's always fun to see a more out of the woods school because yeah. all due respect, Loyola isn't the biggest as far as the market goes. So I think having a school like that is awesome. You know what I, mean? I agree. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, mean, I think that there's definitely something I was, I was, uh, I went back and forth with too in like the lead up to the summer because I think recently at least there have been a lot of like really big schools. I thought, um, like I'd just been on Ohio State the year before. Like I knew that, I mean, Jerry was Wyoming, which is like a little more, it's a little smaller, but like I was going up against Georgia and Kentucky, like two of just the biggest programs in the, in the country. Um, and so I was definitely a little worried that I wouldn't get the initial, um, that we like struggle to get excitement and buy-in early on when you're comparing to like schools that have cooler alumni and like better merchandise and like a general, a bigger brand. Um, but you know, I didn't think it, I think it worked out. Yeah. I obviously think it did too. Um, you touched on it a bit there, that, that pre-camp, uh, process, like, getting the original staff buy-in. What was it like for uh, the Loyola Greyhounds in that phase of it, uh, camp? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I don't know. I think that I was – I think there was a lot of uncertainty in our um, – in the lead-up to our summer. Um, I think I I knew pretty well – or I, I, I wouldn't say knew pretty well. I, I, I felt like I'd done a lot over the course of my time as a, a counselor to like earn a dean spot, and I, I was feeling good about my chances. Um, but I think there was there were a lot of really good candidates for our summer, and that we didn't exactly know how the four was going to shake out. Um, and because of that, at least for me personally, like it was hard to really plan and make my staff going in. Um, but that uh, once everything did get solidified um like going into the summer i had robbie and steen uh, like coming uh as as those top two guys which was i don't know i thought they were like just my yin and my yang and uh it was it was uh made me feel really good like i could i could kind of like nerd out and get really cerebral with with steen i could um come up with like some a lot of like more like fun, like experiential ideas with Robbie. Damn. Uh, <laughs> and obviously there wasn't crossover between the two in, in, in those areas as well. But going in, I felt really good about the planning that we had done and like the ideas that we had. Absolutely. Steen, you have anything to add to that? You were a part of it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Robbie and I are kind of like, we're very different, but between both, like my weaknesses are his strengths, his strength, like his weaknesses are my strengths. So I think me and him complement each other really, really well. I think beyond that, we both complimented Zach really, really well. And, I, yeah, I mean, going in, I kind of knew it was, this was going to be a special, like, I mean, the three of us together, we I kind of knew it was going to be special. And then I guess I probably could steal the next part, but as soon as we got Delves, it was kind of, this is going to be incredible. I mean, as soon as we got Delves, this was, it was over. Like, our team, our staff was just going to be too good at that point. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't intimidated going into that summer. I mean... You, you guys obviously had reputations that preceded yourselves. And, of course, he, me on Wyoming, it was kind of a relatively, like, fresh team, not really much experience being di uh, driven into it. But I don't think, like, 
it, it, it worked out well as far as the competition level. So you guys obviously had a great staff. Every single team had a great staff. And I think this was a great summer as far as prepping that evenly. Yeah. I have just, I don't sure, like, obviously you guys can agree or disagree, but I think out of every, like, league that I've kind of seen some of the background stuff to, like, the last three I've been a counselor for, I'd say this is the one out of the three where every dean's staff were kind of perfect for the dean. Like, every dean kind of got their guys who were going to help them and kind of help run the team they wanted to run. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I thought everyone, I thought everyone had a really good fit yeah. um, and culture. I think for us, like, I, I think you mentioned like Delves coming in was was huge and awesome. Like I, I think for me personally, one thing I was worried about with our composition was that like I had obviously worked with Steen on um, with Steen on Ohio State, but you know I'd never worked with Robbie before on a college. Like we'd been friends for years, but I'd never been on a team with him, um, and so I like was kind of like, nervous going in. Like, how is this group going to all mesh together? Um, and I think, like like you said, I think Delves was a perfect insert there as well as someone who, like, uh, again, like, complimented that group really well, bringing in Hot Dog out of nowhere who uh, just gave so much to the team. And I think, like, that was honestly one of the things I was most proud of of our team is that I felt like we had, like, a lot of very different staff members. I think, like, if you look at, I don't know, I think different staffs had different things going for them. Like, I think that if you look at Georgia, it was, like, a lot of those second-year guys who were like a really tight friend group and had been their entire lives. And that worked really well for them. They had a great time. Um, I think that us, we had like a, a more diverse and like eclectic group of staff coming together where everyone was still able to like put their fingerprint on the team and um, like have a great time and like bring those more diverse uh, mindsets and backgrounds together into like something special. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Not really much more to say. I completely agree with that. Our staff is incredible. So let's let's talk about like the next big moment. Um, you jumped off a house for the break. Why? <laughs> because I had no other ideas, Matt. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. To be honest with you, like we had we had like a really good plan for if we were inside, whether it was the rec hall or alumni. And so I was like kind of sad <laughs> that we weren't. I mean, not just because we had a really good plan. I mean, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nice listener of Ten for Two Guys podcast. I heard Steen come out with the take that he prefers the outdoor break, and I understand that. I think he can get some more creative dean entrances, but I don't know. I don't think anything really compares to the energy of the rec hall. Um, so I was a little, I'm a little bummed that we didn't get to have that. Like, didn't get to have that experience of bursting through the rec hall doors that you dream of since you're a little kid. Um, we were gonna play a video if we were inside, like we had been working with uh, with the video staff on like projecting, and they were really patient with us as we like tried to figure that out, uh, whether it had been an alumni or uh, the rec hall. And we had like a cool video plan. We were gonna come in, it was gonna be hype. And then we found out, and even after advocating to JD, that we were not gonna be in the rec hall or indoors. And so I think it was just like during second period that day, um, I was out there with, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like Delves and like Tyler Gale, um, I don't know, maybe Sam Rell. We were just sort of like looking out onto the main basketball court, like, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, and actually, I remember I went with, we like, first we were like, okay, maybe I can jump off that roof. And at first, everyone was sort of like, no, you can't jump off the roof. <laughs> like, it's too high. <laughs> 
I remember during um, third period or something, me and Ari Glazier went to the Ninja Warrior course. And we just like slowly started working my way up, jumping off the warped wall onto the little pads they had, uh, which was TG, remember that they had those. And so like, I like, kept on going rung by rung by rung until I was on top of the warped wall, jumping off onto the pad. And then by the time we went to the Nectum house and like looked at it, we were like, oh, this is like not even as tall as the warped wall. Like I could easily do this. <laughs> and so at that point, it was all right. Lynn was a little worried. Lynn was very worried, actually. When she saw me climbing up the back of their of their roof, she was concerned, but it was okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like the Nectums had every reason to be concerned in that day. It was definitely uh, tough to have your home invaded by that many people, let alone like run over by one. Yeah. Um, it was obviously like one of the most electric entrances I've seen in a while. Um, <laughs> like never, never been even thought of before. Uh, so kudos to you on that. Um, Steen, do you have anything to add? I mean, yeah, it was electric. I mean, I wasn't as much of a part of the planning process of the actual break as I was a lot of other parts of the team. So for me, it was just kind of like we're at lunch. Zach kind of goes up to me and is like, come to the uh, rack hall during rest period. So we get to the rack hall and he's like, yeah, we're doing it outside. This is our new break. And we practiced a bunch of times and did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can say I was also pretty concerned for Zach, but yeah, very happy when you landed that cleanly. I'm pretty confident you were going to kind of just fall and trip on your way down. Good. (laughs) Big trust. (laughs) All right. So after that break, um, we got into like the first couple loops, like loops one through five, like... I don't exactly remember where Loyola was at in the standings there. Were you, were you more of like a, a back half team or like a front half team? I'm, I can't, I'm not remembering off the top of my head. We were pretty much, we, we were not in first at all in first session. We were the only team that wasn't. We didn't win a single loop in first session. We pretty much were just getting 40 pointers yeah, every single think, loop. I think we got we second were, or third every loop. Did we? I don't think we ever got last. Maybe one. Did we ever get last in a loop? I mean, I could be wrong. I just, because we got like 38 to like 48 points every loop. We were never good, never terrible. We probably got last in like, I think maybe towards the second half of the second session, we might have got last in one or two. I, I don't remember. Um, but we definitely never got first. <laughs> That's yeah, definitely never. We, we never it's, scored 50 points first session. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. So, uh, like, with those mid level loops, how did you like manage expectations of the team? Like, what, what was the biggest thing that kept your guys going that you think at least? Um, I think that on the whole is like just the, the attitude and the messaging of like our, of our staff and of our like older campers was just, we stayed positive. We stayed composed. We stayed cool. I think it was like, we were getting, you know, 40 after 40 after 40, which I could have gotten frustrating, but like at the end of the day, like we were still right there. So it wasn't like, we were never down more than like 30 something. Right. Um, and even when, like, even when we were in fourth, like, which was a lot of first session, um, I think we were just sort of preaching, like, stay composed, do like our trust, like, have faith, like, um, stay loyal to each other. Like, we were just preaching, like, that kind of um, language. And I think that it was early. Everyone sort of understood, like, we were still right there. And then if we just kept, um, kept working and getting better every day, then, like, we would eventually be able to break through. Yeah, totally. I definitely noticed you guys seem composed the whole time. I also think there was like a, 
a collective confidence. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's a collective confidence around your crew that like you knew you were going to do very well. You had a very good uh, crew of uh, CITs and high senior leaders, um, a lot of which who, to my knowledge, didn't have really big like uh, leadership roles going into it. I might be wrong on that, but they obviously shined out on Loyola, so kudos to all I mean, of them. What do, you, what do you mean by big leadership roles? Not sure. Like I wasn't here in 2020, so like, how how did like the Loyola guys have 2020 or 2020 summers? Like, how were their summers in 2020? I thought all. I think, I think what's really cool about our CITs is that like, they were none of them were guys that. I mean, like we were the draw that didn't have the number one athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were, like going in to the summer when we were making CIT splits, it was very much like, okay, there's going to be the team that has Nick. There's going to be the team that has Ben. There's going to be a team that has Gabe. And then there's the team that's going to have, like, the combination of, like, Luke, Teddy, Burns, JL, like, all these guys. Um, and that was our team. <laughs> and I think, like, going in, a lot of people said, like, okay, that team's not going to – that team's probably going to struggle for a session because they don't have any of those number ones. But they'll get, like, Hayden or Olazabal second session. And, um, like, ultimately they played their way out of that. Like, we, like they played so well together that – they didn't that we, we couldn't get Hayden or Olazabo because we were too good the, the CITs had been playing too well um, and they were just unbelievable all summer like they had a great attitude they like were fighters they were dogs um, and like even without that like traditional top athlete they like came together and balled out Steen you want to go for anything? yeah I mean I gotta get that our CITs and our high seniors were beyond amazing like the collective chemistry that they had was inspiring, and I think it kind of trickled its way down to the team. I'd say part of the collective confidence, even before them, just started from orientation, and the fact that we got crushed during staff orientation. Clapped in like, staff. I don't think did we get like better than third place in a single event? We got killed. I we, we. I think we got third place in dodgeball. Yeah, like our staff was. Yes, <laughs> we did. We got third place in dodgeball, and we got third place in, um, and we got third place in the medium place flip cup, <laughs> and that was it. Other than that, I think we lost everything in staff orientation. We were the worst staff orientation team in history. Yeah, but the, sure. but the confidence between everybody there stayed incredibly high. Everybody stayed bought until the end. The energy level was incredible to the end. I mean, I remember Waldo announced us winning. At the first time, even though we didn't, he's just like, he goes up to me afterwards, like, I saw the energy you guys had, and I can't believe you didn't win anything. So yeah. I think that kind of confidence, that energy level sort of trickled into the summer, and the staff was so bought in from day one that it kind of trickled down to our CITs. We then, from our CITs being the incredible leaders that they are, were trickled down to the rest of the team, and the rest of the team had this confidence, this swagger, this belief that we were going to be successful, even when we were getting 40 points every loop. Yeah, and I think that was true, like, everything. I, I can go back to, like, your original question. Like, I think that just in general, like, we had a very – we just stayed positive no matter what. Like, I remember we got in the counselor challenge. Like, we got disqualified from the pillow fight because we didn't bring pillows. It was, like, supposed to be uh, – like, every team was supposed to have four people with pillows – and we didn't have any, and I was like, to Waldo, like, can we just do like a three-person pillow fight? And so each team will have, like there'll be 12 total pillows, which is what we have right now. And it was like, nope, Loyola's disqualified. <laughs> and we ended up winning the pillow fight anyway, because the winner was based on crowd applause and like, cheering. <laughs> and we just wouldn't stop going crazy. So I think it's like, 
I think we just had that attitude the whole summer of like it doesn't matter what's thrown at us, it doesn't matter what happens, like or whatever obstacles there are, we're just gonna like we're gonna say good, we're gonna move on and we're gonna make the most of the situation that we're in. I completely forgot that that pillow fight happened. Uh, one of my favorite moments was uh, Ethan Manon getting completely beaten down by, I think, Danny Kaplan or something like that. Yeah. Kobe like, broke his wrist or whatever. Oh, yeah, he, yes, he, he did break his, his wrist. Yeah. I thought it was, was, was break. He broke. I thought he hyperextended it. I thought he did. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, that was a catastrophic Dude, event. And you guys didn't even compete. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do, you, do you know who would have been your pillow fighters? I know we're going off topic here, but... I have no idea. <laughs> me and the other first three counselors who raised their hands. Yeah, I mean, me probably, because I definitely would have really wanted to do that. And whoever else. <laughs> All right, so yeah, loops obviously were a little bit rough in the beginning, but you then got to segue into your play, Robin Hood. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, it was the second place play? Yep. It was the second place play. And it overall went very well. I think that play, I think after watching Rocky, everyone saw that and like, realized oh wow this is going to be a very good play season because that play was very 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 good what was your thoughts uh not only going into that but through the process um yeah i mean i thought i was super proud of the guys um just overall start to finish and i think theater staff did an awesome job like they're incredible so 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 good um but also i thought this was like i don't know i think going in i was excited but I was also a little nervous because we did not like, we did not really have anyone who had been a star in a play before. Mm -hmm. um, like Burns had had a funny, like smaller role in, uh, in Spider-Man the year before, same with Luke. I mean, Napple obviously had been on, like been on in London and is a fantastic actor, but he is also one of the younger cast members was a Lolo. Um, so I like, I mean, Teddy had a big role and had never really done that before. JL had a big role and had like never really done that before. Um, Davis was, had, I guess had had a big role in it the year before, but also just as like a high enter. Um, and so I was like unsure how it was going to go, but they were awesome. And I, I think like it easily is a play that could have gone very poorly. It's like sort of just like a, an adventure story. Um, with like a more inexperienced cast and i think they're like a, a lot of i don't know i think like, i i easily could have not been very good if it had been low energy if it had if like the guys had not put in the insane amount of work that they did to make it great um but they did and like i remember like a day before or two days before the play there were a lot of our older kids like didn't know their lines quite as well um and like it was just overall like a little more lethargic it wasn't looking good and i remember like i took the CIDs um, out behind the theater and basically said to them, like, this isn't in the place that we need it to be. Like, we gotta, we just gotta be better as a group, all of us, in terms of bringing the energy, in terms of like, in terms of setting the tone for everybody else um, and laying out the expectations and the standard. And I think they all like really took that to heart. They were grinding those last 48 hours just to like, get those lines down to get to bring the energy up to like find new ways to um make the play fun and like enjoyable and uh entertaining and i think they did a, a great great job and i was really really proud when it was all said and done absolutely absolutely Steen, you got anything to add yeah i mean i have to agree with zach it was a play that could have 
definitely gone very poorly and it could have gone very poorly very quickly and i think it's more of a testament just to the incredible leadership that our cits brought that like yeah it could have gone poorly it could have gone badly and obviously a top coach is not as involved in play week i thought i was involved in play week but i was not like a top coach is not as involved in play week as that like adin is so i didn't have sort of the access that zach had i wasn't at every play practice the same way zach was so I didn't see every little thing. Like, I obviously wasn't outside when Zach was giving this speech. But for me, it was just kind of like, this is what we talking about all summer. I mean, I trust. Like, it's Burns. It's Luke. It's Teddy. It's JL. Like, the play was, I mean, I always had confidence that the play was going to work solely because of the leadership we had in the campers. Uh, and just funny story for me, walking up to a play practice one time, Davis runs up to me. And it's like, I'm going to kick you in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Out of nowhere, yeah. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> it's like in the play, I'm kicking you in the nuts. I'm like, what? Yeah. Walk up, Eric walks up to me, he's like, you're going to get kicked in the nuts. And yeah, big shot. <laughs> yeah, I was like four to five people were just telling me I was getting kicked in the nuts before anyone was like, no, you're not like, like they had me believing at one point that like Davis on play and I was like actually going to just kick me in the nuts. <laughs> See, so I was—that was. You must have been so rattled. <laughs> Who, Davis? No, you. You were about to get kicked in the nuts. Oh, I was so rattled. <laughs> well, that was one of the funniest parts of the play. Was was Steen riding around yeah. on the floor in agony. Oh, yeah, like, but I told Davis. Tunic. <laughs> I told Davis night of if he actually wanted to kick me in the nuts to make the reaction real, like anything for the team. Anything for the team. That's. Now, another uh, good scandal that happened during the play was uh, Pukegate. Yeah. What, what, how, what was your guys' experience with Pukegate? Did you experience it or did you just hear about it? Well, I was backstage. Okay. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I thought that that part of the play was, like, our highest energy, like, most fun. Like, it, it started with Luke giving, like, the pump-up speech to First Breath After Coma when they, like, steal the treasure and then it goes crazy montage of like sword fights and like jl screaming at burns who's running around the theater into like davis kicking steve in the nuts into gersh getting like his head pounded in it was, it was, it was like a really funny and high energy sequence and from where i was backstage like all of a sudden in the middle of it people start screaming and like going crazy i'm like wow like people must really love this <laughs> and, it wasn't until after the play that I realized what exactly had happened. Um, but a huge shout out to Burns for just running right through that puke without skipping a beat. <laughs> Jesus, I, I couldn't even imagine. Steen, you got a story for that? You look like you're holding something back. So I didn't know the puke happened until after the play, right? But this is what I find out. This When it happened was like right before the scene where I go on. So we have a bunch of people run through puke, run over the stage, and oh. then I go on to get kicked in the nuts and have to like, just like flail around on the stage after these people who ran through puke oh, run through stage. Oh, Steen. Yeah. <laughs> Not, so did you like, could you smell it or was it just no, like- No, I, I, had, I like, had no wow. idea that I had done that until someone told me after the play. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an electric moment, no doubt. Um, yeah. Looking back on that play, is there anything you guys wish you had done differently? Um, I know this is kind of an open-ended question, but it, like, it's definitely hard doing everything perfectly in those situations. Is there anything that, like, were there any regrets at all? 
And it's fine if there aren't. I don't know. Not really. I don't think so. Yeah. And I've said that. And I've said that. I will say uh, the, the audience perspective of the uh, of the puke. I mean, the whole yeah, you can probably speak this better than I can. But what, the way it was described to me afterwards was that like on balance, just made the play better because the experience people had. First of all, I think it definitely like raised the energy in the audience, which is always good. But the way it was described to me is that people saw this kid throw up, saw Burns run through it, like were shocked by that, and then turned on stage and to see Steen like screaming and crawling across the floor like in a shirt basically shirtless like so just overall it was a great experience there, yeah there was so much going on at once it was definitely i was i don't know if i was like good it was definitely a good confused i was like very it, it was overwhelming but like a good overwhelming so i'd say i guess my only regret is that i couldn't have been in the audience to to watch all that but other than that i mean it was great that's that's totally perfect. That's totally fair. All right. Oh, also, hold on. Oh, I'm forgetting something. Go for it. Best performance is, is was Friar Tuck. Didn't shout out Isaac Sokol. So shout out to Isaac. Because he balled. Good lucks. Good lucks. And also, just all this yet. I haven't mentioned all the CITs yet. So all of them. You know, Isaac, Ruby, Brady, Ike, second session. All, all killers. <laughs> Always, always. All right, so after that Robin Hood play, um, the rest of first session kind of happened, similar to the beginning of first session. Um, the all-college, we kind of talked about it a lot in the Wyoming episode, so I don't know if there's any extra thoughts you have on it. Um, well, yeah, are there any extra thoughts you have on kind of what we talked about earlier? Is it the end of first session? Yeah. Yeah, that with the, the end la- of first session. That was the last college event of first session. Uh, well, I, I had two thoughts. Well, one, wait, was the, did we do the Egg and Spoon Relay? Was that then or was that second session? Egg and Spoon, egg and spoon egg was spoon first. Egg first session. Egg and Spoon was first session? Okay. But Egg and Spoon wasn't worth anything. I know, but it was actually. A little behind the scenes story about the Egg and Spoon Relay um, is we were really confident in our Egg and Spoon Relay. <laughs> we had, I don't know why. But we, we like looked at our egg and spoon relay and we're like, these are some athletic uh, uh, these are some athletic guys that we got for sophomores in the egg and spoon relay. We were really confident in them. So I went around to all the war rooms and basically said, like, I don't know what's gonna happen in the all college. You know, Steen took care of that. I'm sure he did a great job. But our egg and spoon relay looks pretty good. So I'm gonna wager that whoever gets last in the egg and spoon relay has to by ICP for the other three deans. And it took a while to convince because like Danny was not confident in his egg and spoon relay. Like Jared was not very confident in his egg and spoon relay. And um, I eventually got all of them around. And then it turned out our egg and spoon relay did not go well. margin, <laughs> 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 And so I had to buy everyone. Okay, but I, I could have told you that. No, we, no. You and me were, that's wrong. You and me were looking at our egg and spoon relay. Like we got, we got some runners in this egg and spoon relay. Yeah, and so did every team. No, that's not true. Ever, not every team did. Well, I mean, first of all, you said the best was sophomore. So like, it was. Yeah, it was like Walker Brody. Yeah, we had great. We had, and every and like most people didn't have all of their kids. In okay. The egg and spoon. We had a good egg and spoon relay. 
Yeah. These these are the important conversations we have on the Ten for Two Guys podcast. I oh, I'm gonna, if I'm being honest with you, I completely forgot about the egg and spoon relay. So now that we've brought it up, I remember, and I'm remembering Wyoming's perspective. I think there was a cheating scandal during the egg and spoon relay. relay. Everyone was Kentucky just had their kids pinching the egg. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh, Waldo, we we might need a. We might need to get some more uh, VAR on that egg and spoon relay. It's, okay. it's a pretty important event that we can't keep messing up in the future. Yeah, I don't know. All, co- all college, I'd say. Uh, I wasn't so. I wasn't not confident going in, but also like we'd been in fourth place for much of first session, so I was definitely. Uh, I definitely was on my mind that like if we haven't been winning games, it's possible that we might not be the fastest team of the four. Um, but then, like during the actual thing, I mean, but also it's all college, so it really is just up in the air. It comes down to not drop the baton. It comes down to it's it's, it's a lot of stuff. I don't know. Um, and you know, I definitely thought we were gonna win, honestly, uh, during it because at first I, I, I heard you guys talking about this with Jared. Like at first, um, Wyoming just looked like was out of it, and so I was like, okay, there it's. But, team race but then also we sort of got out of it as well and so it was really just kind of between Kentucky and Georgia um and then slowly we started to come back and catch up to make it a three-team race again and then we just passed them both and it really looked like we were going to win and then Wyoming was on the far side and I looked over and I counted their people and I realized that we did not and that was kind of a, a tough few seconds of realization because um if we hadn't if we had one then we were going to be like in second place by very little by like 10 maybe um and then when we lost and wyoming won it then put us in fourth by like 30. so it was a little disappointing at the time but also it was like that's 30 points between first and fourth in at the end of first session is like you can't ask for much better than that um and uh i think like we were all just I was so proud of like the first session that we had had and knew that we were going to be right there and in it to compete in second session. Yeah, that 30-point gap between first and fourth I think was a really good testament to the quality of that league and how overall it just like consistently no team was ever fully out of it. Everyone was fully energized. Everybody was ready to and expecting to win almost every game. Um, yeah, and it was great. Um, then you segue into second session and obviously things – spread out a little bit more on the scorecard. You guys obviously had a much stronger second session. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, speak to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we came out really strong. I would, I, I'd say if I were to <laughs> analyze what happened, um, I think that essentially the visions of ours, going into second session, we had had, like, the way we had been getting those 40 points pretty much every loop was that, our CITs won, like, the majority of the time. The CITs won a lot. Our CITs were good. I think they went, like, 7-3, and 8-2 per session. Um, our high seniors also, like, same thing. Like, we were getting – we were – most loops were getting 20 points out of our CITs and high seniors. Um, our high lows, we had Dirsch, right, and, like, and and Bolter and, 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 I don't know, that whole squad. Um, I'm not going to name everybody, but, but our high lows were very, very good. Um, they were getting us – you know, a good 10 points. Um, and then 
like our high inners, low lows were probably going like between the two of them. We were getting 10 points every loop. Um, but our low winners were losing a lot. Our high sophomores were losing. I think those two divisions probably combined to go like three and I think they had three wins. And then our low softs were good. So we were winning. So we were picking up like, we were winning like 35 to 45 points per, per loop, just like from those like older kids picking up low soft games, one of the high enders, low lows, and some um, two games here and there. Like, it would change a bit, but that was, like, generally where it came from. And so we kind of knew that we were going to get help in the low winners and high softs in second session, and I think they got a lot better. Um, I think it was supposed to be balanced out by the fact that, like, we were losing a good amount of people in the – high low division and a lot of really good people were coming in and we weren't getting any of them like the same thing was happening with the cits like we were not getting either old we were not getting letty um and like the hyenas we were losing some guys but we weren't getting anybody in return and so like overall it was just bounced out i think really what was great for us is like those divisions that were supposed to get worse like our cits like our pilos like our hyenas really didn't like they just were able to even with better competition and without really getting that much help. I mean, we got good guys coming in. I don't want to like, like Fagan was a beast for the CSPs, for example. Um, but like overall, those divisions stayed strong and like we're able to still get, go in and win games. Um, and our high softs, we like, our high softs, we got like one of the, the best athletes that we got, um, James Milgram, he came up to me right after the second session break and said he had an ear infection and was leaving camp for a week, which was like all of second session. And so he like, he stuck, he stayed around to play in his basketball loop, but then he was gone, I think until either loop 14 or 15. Um, and like still the ISOFs were able to win games without him. Like, I don't know, just finding ways to win. Um, so we had, we had a nice, a really nice start to loop 11 was, was awesome when all of a sudden like we hadn't won a loop all, all first session. We hadn't been in first all first session, and then all of a sudden we won a loop and we were in first place, and uh, we we really took that momentum and ran with it. Yeah, that loop eleven definitely changed everything in that college league. I know, at least from a Wyoming perspective, we were going in pretty hot, and then we get like twenty points there, and it's like, well, things change. And obviously, you guys uh, were hot as all hot thinking words. You guys obviously just kept staying hot. Um, Trying to think, were there any other notable events you could think of in second session, like the track meet? You, were you guys were the we got uh, killed? We got killed in the track meet. Okay, yes. Yeah. I would I would say the two things I want to shout out if, before we go into present night. One, um, it's just as a you know brief shout. Out, I gotta say we are the greatest ice cream team in the history of college league. Um, Elaborate. Three events where there was ice cream on the line. There was that counselor challenge. I hit a half court shot. No big deal. Um, <laughs> it was the uh, the hot dog eating contest. Um, oh, that that was a scandal though, because everybody was getting way too close and like distracting the uh, participants. I don't know. I mean, everyone everyone was distracted then. But me and Eli Albert, we just kept eating our hot dogs. Uh, I don't know if, they got, if other people got distracted. That's on them. <laughs> um, so the ice cream in that event, and then there was uh, the Kahoot, 
at the end of the like right sometime in oh second. yeah the college bowl kahoot i completely forgot about that so we were we were three for three on ice for Van Nuys. I, I just would be remiss if we went through this whole podcast and, and didn't talk about that um but i'd say the other big event like i think we had a really strong second session and it was awesome and it was great um and we were winning a lot and we stayed in first pretty well but also like i think it had like tougher points i think that we had a huge loop 14 like massive loop 14 we won a ton of close games like there i won that stands out like a lot of overtime games there was a football game against georgia that we were supposed to get crushed in that we that we won um and like it ended up being a 78 point loop or something like that and put us up 50 going into loop 15 and then just like a string of things that were like sort of thrown against us there were like a, a, a bunch of senior games that were scheduled where we like you know naturally had the hardest matchups um there was the track meet that we got fourth in and there was and then like loop 15 we had uh yeah we, we had our, just a tough loop 15. um i remember after the track meet we came in last and like waldo's calling out the scores and he goes uh, he's like he like reads the tracking scores we got last, and then he goes into the college league scores and he goes like as he reads out our names for first, he's like down from their fifty point lead to a like twenty point lead, hounds will be hunted, Loyola. And like we like cheer, but we're like what? Like what? We, what we say? And then like everyone left, like all the other teams left. I kept this in, and basically it was just like I don't know, just kind of went off about like what like hounds will be hunted like no man like hounds hunt like that's not what, like we don't you don't get hunted we don't let others attack like we go after them um and i don't know i think it was like just again like it was a moment like we had had been going like strong but like we still were who we had always been which is like when adversity comes we're gonna stay we're gonna stay who we are we're gonna keep trust we're gonna keep faith and we're gonna and we're gonna fight back and i think like when we went down with 15 it was the same thing um we like we were now in second by like 13 or whatever it was um and like just kept cool and said all right let's like um let's let's do our best to win on prez wow yeah um one thing i want to quickly touch before we also get into prez night you just mentioned you came up with a speech right off just the fact that waldo said hounds are being hunted what, what do you think like contributes not only to making a speech on the fly but being a good college league speaker and being a good public speaker in general, what, what do you think is like your keys to those speaking? Cause you're obviously one of the more notable speakers in this camp that is this camp has seen in a while. So can you talk a bit about that? Kind of talk about what your process, what your thinking is, how you plan those kind of things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it's easy to, um, trying to think. Yeah. Take your time on this. Cause obviously this is a pretty heavy question. <laughs> I think I became a much better speaker this year, but I, I don't know. I was, you were always, I mean, obviously the first year I really heard you speak a lot was Ohio, but you were a really good spe- uh, speech giver in Ohio State. Yeah. No, it's definitely something, I don't know. I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, so I think with, like, the track meet one, for example, I think that's not something I would have been able to do before this past year. Like, I, I definitely became a much better speaker on the fly over the course of the summer because I just didn't really have time to plan out speeches um, or like write them out at least, which is what I've done, you know, a lot of time before. 
Um, I sort of would just like outline them in my head, say like, these are the points I want to make. I think that a lot of the speeches I gave this year also came from like, it was, it was pretty easy for me to talk about just because I had spent so much time, like we'd spent so much time before the summer started, like thinking, okay, what are our, what is our culture? Like, what are our philosophies? What do we believe? Like, how are we going to respond when this kind of stuff happens? And because we had a defined culture, it became, you know, it, like, it became easier to just give those speeches on the fly because I, I was speaking from the heart. It wasn't something that I had to like really think out in advance. And I think that at least that helped me with speaking off the cuff. Um, in terms of like planning out speeches and like delivering a good speech, I think that it's really important to be focused mm-hmm. and to have like a clear, like central point of the speech, whatever it is that you were like hitting on and building off of. I think it's important to like to be specific and not talk like I think talking in generalities like uh like let's like let's um dive for every loose ball like I think just, like for cliches like that I think are you're less motivated by than like pointing to specific moments like I think I probably mentioned a million times, like when Zach Burner stepped into into net for us, um, in the, in like that CIT soccer game, and then saved a PK to win us the game. Uh, like pointing out to like specific moments where someone or like we embodied whatever the point is they're trying to get across. And then I think in terms of presentation, like it's just important to be dynamic to like vary your tone and your pacing and your uh, your volume to like keep it interesting. I think when you're speaking, the easiest thing anyone can do is stop listening. Um, so just like giving them reasons not to do that as much as you can by like changing how you're speaking and like bringing in new and engaging and interesting content. Um, but I also don't really know. I, I think that, yeah, that's, that's the best I can give. I mean, yeah, that answer definitely suffices. I know for a lot of people, they haven't really been able to give speeches like that. So even that advice at face level is going to help, I think, a lot of people not only prepare, but execute great speeches. Because I think we all grew up in the era of really hearing speeches, oh, die for loose balls, give your hardest effort, all that kind of stuff. But you're right when you're saying that it doesn't really stick anymore. I think it's it's a lot more about getting what to the heart of your values are, obviously, as you were saying. and you clearly did a great job on that. I know I'm definitely going to try to, in any speech given forward, uh, stick to value, stuff like that. And I'm sure, I hope other people will sit, be able to say the same. Do you think it doesn't stick anymore? Or is it just that speeches about values just stick more? Mm. Like, do you get what I'm asking? Yeah, no, I totally get that. Because I feel like yes. die for loose balls, give everything still sticks for certain kids on some level. Like, I never really saw it as, like, this doesn't stick anymore. I just sort of looked at it as, like, they found this new, better sort of area to give speeches in. And it just, kids resonate more with that, I think, versus just giving speeches on die for loose balls, give 100% effort, doesn't stick at all. I Yeah, I also think one thing that sticks more is originality. Yeah, um, no, of course. One of the most, will you say it again? No, of course. Original yeah. speeches stick way cliche nobody cares to hear cliches because they've heard it a bunch of times yeah like i like to think of the 2014 speech that zach your brother gave about um there's what however many seconds there are in a day that's how many dollars you get stuff like that i think that speech has been given about two or three times since then and it's almost kind of lost its value uh if i can say but 
giving giving like an original speech something that no one has heard of before i think that stuff sticks like because those little bits of motivational messages like they can be great at times like one example that i remember watching of a loyola speech was hot dog speech where he like lit a shirt on fire or something like that yeah that's a that's a question of how did that come along eventually too but stuff like that kids remember that and when they remember that they get motivated by that and it helps them dream upon what their speeches could be however many years down the line when they're eventually uh, coaches and deans. Yeah. I thought we had, I thought we had a lot of great moments. I, I kind of worried because I wanted to like set out the culture um, from the beginning. So I kind of felt like I was I was talking too much early in, early in the summer. Mm. And so I was really happy to see like like hot dog speech. Um, I mean, like I, we had like all of our coaches, a lot of our coaches ended up giving up, giving, giving speeches. But like that one really stood out to me. Like at the end, like we had this crew of, um it was was it it was tyler jd and ari gabe and was ari too yeah and ari yeah like gave a speech jd had gotten there like two days ago gabe came in second session and like jd who was on crutches after he had like come to camp after he had been a car crash and was like on bed rest for a month came crutches and like throws off the crutches and is like shaking in the middle of the circle as he's screaming at the team um and so like just moments like that i think yeah are so awesome and, and then i thought we had you know, some really memorable and, and good speeches it's awesome I, I totally agree i totally agree and then one other quick question uh, i guess there's there's two more little ones that you can answer pretty quickly first of all the idea with packaging grass and hanging on the uh, wall I don't know if you fully continued it, but I was there at the rink all the time, so I saw all of them. Well, yeah. where did that start, and almost why did it fade away? I guess <laughs> is what I could ask. Yeah. So actually, this is, I, I, this is a great. This is going to bring me into something I think that I, I do really want to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean the idea is grass is green, you know. <laughs> wow. There it is. <laughs> like, let me tell you something, Holgate. Like, grass isn't red. Like, sorry, Georgia, grass ain't blue, <laughs> Kentucky. I don't want to tell you Wyoming, but grass ain't brown or yellow. Hey, the, the dirt can be brown at times, all right? We're talking about the grass, and we play like we don't play games on paper, Matt. We play <laughs> games on grass, and the grass is green. So obviously, we're gonna beat like Loyola beat you. It's not really a surprise. Like, yeah, duh. Obviously, we beat you because the grass is green. <laughs> we're gonna take a little bit of our own grass, a little bit of our home, and we're gonna put it in a plastic bag. We're gonna pin it up as a reminder of the fact that no one can come onto our home, onto our grass and think that they're going to beat us because they can't because the grass is green. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Okay. <laughs> and fourth, also, time, fourth time I've heard that exact speech. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to run through a wall now. Also, on, on top of that, I didn't kind of fit with, like, Ray Lewis, who, like, Baltimore legend, who is, who, like, in the Ray Lewis dance, like, would rip up some grass and throw it in his face. So, like, all that together. And, like, we, we had the whole team, like, where we tried to say, like, rip up grass, throw it in your face after we win games, like, or like hyping up. I remember like a low senior handball game I was coaching. We were like kind of not playing the best. And at halftime I was like, all right, like everyone rip up some grass, throw it in your face and like get hyped up. <laughs> and that always like weirdly worked a lot. Um, so I think that that's like where that idea came from. I think why did it, I think we like, ultimately I think we did keep doing it. It would just was not consistent with you like, a few loops would go by and then like three loops worth of grass would go up in the hockey ring. Um, yeah, the that was on the reason me. being, yeah, what's that, that was a lot on me though. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a lot on me. Cause why was that on you? Well, we tried to delegate. No one else really picked it up, so I kind of tried to do the grass stuff. And at one point, I just ran out of bags. <laughs> Yeah, You're not securing the bags, Steve. No, because I, I would hand – because I'm never going to – I expect – like I'm going to come in with the belief that we are the best kids, the best coaches, and we're going to win every game, right? Like I'm never going to go into a loop expecting not to sweep, right? So before every loop, I would hand out the bags to every single coach. And like when you, when you win, take some grass on the field, put it in, bring it back to me, right? If the coach didn't win, they wouldn't save the bag for the most part. Most of them would just throw it away, get rid of it. So every loop, I would have to give out 15, 16 bags. Mm. So you ran, ran out pretty quickly. I, I ran out sometime near the end we of first. We bags, though. We, we did? Because you just might not have had them. But I, coaches either gave me bags or sometimes, like, sometimes if I knew we had won a game but I didn't have a bag for it, I'd, like, you know. I just go outside. No, I did that a couple. Oh. I did that a couple times too. I had coaches who would tell me they forgot, so I'd go take a bag and bring it. I did yeah. not know we had more bags. <laughs> well, I'd say that was like I think the biggest reason is like because also we had to to then like take the bags, write on it like the game and the score, and then hole punch it and then zip tie it to the hockey rink, and like it would end up being me doing that a lot, like during the periods before the loop. Yeah, but like I kept doing that. We kept doing that, and I think it was it was good and it was like a cool tradition. But also, I think that brings me to another point that I wanted to make is that I think that I think kind of gets. I don't know. I think if I had, I wouldn't say I. This is a regret of mine from the summer, but I think something to like, if I were to do it again, that I would go in with a clear mindset on is that I think that it's really really easy to think about planning a college league team and like and measuring the experience and like the quality of the team in terms of like little traditions and like slogans and like your meeting place decorations or your giveaways all this stuff and really at the end of the day like so i talked like that I, you know i talked to daniel about it a little bit before the summer but also i think that really set in um during it just that's all that stuff is is very it's peripheral to like what the team actually is and at the end of the day the team is the people that are on the team and like the extent to which they believe in each other and play with each other and like like when you think about professional sports teams you don't think like oh the golden state warriors are a great team because strength in numbers is such a good slogan or like the Toronto Raptors are such a sick team because we the North is like a great thing to have on a t-shirt. Like, no, or it's like, they're a great team because they play well together. And like, because they, it's clear, like they have unbelievable chemistry with each other. And I think that if I were to do it again, I would spend, I think we did this already to an extent, but I would like not worry about spending as much time, like, you know, zip tying plastic bags to the net of the hockey rink. When I think that's time I could spend just like being in bunks or with kids, um, and like just around camp, um, because I think at the end of the day, like that's how you build culture really, and I think that's how you like create strong connections on your team and, and make it the best that it can be. Not to say that that little stuff, like I think those details are really cool and they are memorable and they're fun, but like at the end of the day, I think that the people and like those connections are are, are always what's most important. Yeah. 
Totally that's I think like there's ways to do like those type of things that aren't as time consuming as the stickers up on the home sign were <laughs> as times of time. Like Ohio State, we had the Hall of Fame. I thought it was the same type of thing and it was done really well. It was easy for us to do because we didn't have to do it all the time. But I still think the kids yeah. bought into it. Yeah. And with the stickers on the home sign too, like again, like I think it was I think it was like awesome and it was cool. But, but like the coolest moments for me were not like seeing the home sign grow over time with stickers. Like that was fine. It was like whatever. The coolest part for me was like actually handing the kid a sticker and like a note about like noticing something cool he did or like having one kid give it to another and like seeing their face light up with like the recognition that they got from a teammate or from like a coach that they admired and that was what was really cool um i think like that is where we were actually like building a team and like making empowering kids and making it like a memorable and really special experience for them not when they like then put it on the 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 wooden sign outside the meeting place you know and and that's what like made it a more time consuming and like the harder logistical thing to pull off yeah but not the writing notes and giving them to people i mean if you don't remember when we originally brought up the idea and we were talking about it we were debating whether to do it that we give out these things in private or we give it out to people like at the meeting place i remember i mean i brought the point that it's going to be way more special for the kid to get it from you individually yeah and like not just and now not that they're not just getting recognition from a teammate, which is going to feel great, like individual recognition. They're also getting individual recognition from their dean. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely made it harder, but I also think it made it way more impactful and way more memorable for the kids. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's kind of segue into our uh, pres night portion of the uh, episode. Um, I think we have spent a great deal of time on this episode praising the uh, Loyola cheer um, but we never really have gotten the backstory on it. Um, so kind of talk about uh, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme and uh, how, how that video came to be and really the whole production value in general, because obviously it's one of the greatest production like songs on Pres Night. So a little backstory to that. Well, how'd that go? Uh, I remember um, exactly when I, uh, when I heard Gimme, Gimme for the first time and thought of it as a as a press song um i was i was sitting i, was, I just heard it at, at college basically and was like and sort of like froze where i was i was like whoa maybe um and then put it in my spotify playlist um and then uh yeah the whole production i mean i so yeah i mean i knew um like I, one of the things i loved about the song was just all of the just the vibe of it, like, and all of the, the moments for, like, all the, like, the dance breaks and different stuff that you could potentially do with it. Um, I think once I chose Loyola, like, with other schools I was considering, I, I don't know if it would have been pulled off quite as well. Once I chose Loyola, chose Loyola uh, I knew, like, I, I was going to be inquiring to Daniel about <laughs> um, a Some cameo kind of or two. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of Ravens cameo. Um, I think that we were trying to figure out what that was going to be for a while. And I think also I, in the back of my mind, I knew like there were, I don't know how many judges would have really been expecting it, but I think there were definitely like cancel counselors and older campers that might've been expecting it in a way. So thinking about like how we could do it in a way that subverted expect 
expectations. Mm. Um, you know, like everyone had done, uh, everyone had done, or not everyone has done, but like there have been a lot of like celebrity cameos leading into a present night before. Right. Uh, so like we sort of had the idea, like maybe let's do something in the middle of the song. Like what would that look like? Um, and like, well, we had like the idea of like, well, it could be, uh, it could be just like a player or two or like a coach saying like, go Loyola, like good luck. <laughs> but then we had the idea of, well, what if it's a, what if it's like not that, but it's a series of players like roasting directors and camp people. <laughs> we're like, yeah, that's, that's probably better. Like, that's funny. Um, and so I like, I, I don't know, I worked with Daniel on a, on a, on a script for some of the players, um, like different stuff they could say, different roasts they could give the people. Um, and like, he was obviously like unreal in getting all those videos and putting them together. Uh, and I actually got a FaceTime call from, he was at like a barbecue with some of them. I was on FaceTime with him. And like a few of them had like taken an interest in the team. So I like went to Marcus Peters on FaceTime or like Calais yeah. Campbell. Like, how'd you guys do? Like, we won. Marcus Peters, like, thanks. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. That's... Was this like yeah. during the, was this during the summer? Or... This was on the, on the ride back from camp. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so it was, that was awesome. Uh, but then other than that, like, I don't know, I think there was a lot that went into the production value. Like, we, we knew there was a lot we, like, we could do with the song, and we wanted to be ambitious. And I think, like, we had a room of people and coaches and, like, high school students who, who were in those conversations who were, like, really psyched about being ambitious and trying something really different with having one, with, like, having, I think it was, like, a nine-minute cheer or something like that start to finish for, with, with the hype video till the very end, which I think is like got to be the longest present night song in history. Um, and so, you know, like going, bringing everyone from the stage through the aisles, like having Luke and Teddy swing down um, to do their sword fight, having the whole team back up, managing logistics with the pre with the hype video beforehand, with like getting everybody around the audience at the right time. Um, I think like it was just a combination, like figuring out the dance we were going to do before we came out on stage. Um, so I think like figuring out all the different elements of the performance, like going into it was just, we had like an unbelievable team of coaches who were creative and like excited to try something different. And then like campers and then coaches who were able to help, help pull us up, help us pull it off. And then campers who were like locked in and ready to try anything and, and go with it. Like when we, I think we had a press practice in the theater the Sunday before Prez, or maybe it was the Monday before Prez, honestly, like the day before. And we did not, we were not at that, like originally in our heads, we were going to go off stage, like out of the theater and then come back around. But then we just didn't have that much time during our theater press practice. And we sort of just like on the fly, we're like, mm, scrap it. Like, we're just going to go into the stands normally and hopefully that'll be fine. And then like coaches basically came up to me, like coaches CITs that I knew about or came up to me and were like, yeah, we should try it going around like tomorrow. And we like said at the beginning of the theater press practice, all right, like we're going to have to lock in because we don't have very much time and we need to get this done in like 30 minutes so we can do other stuff as well. 
And so 30 minutes in, like we just pretty much had everyone relearn the choreography for the cheer and the kids were locked in, took it in stride and like ultimately pulled it off perfectly on present night. Um, and like doing that in a nine minute for like an entire nine, like it's hard to get kids to do things right in a two minute cheer, let alone a nine minute cheer. So they were unbelievable. Yeah. And definitely one thing that I don't know goes too appreciated about that song was Will Delves leading it. He, when I was watching, the amount of energy he like produced, like I was watching that, and I thought to myself, "Damn, I could have done more." Like he absolutely killed it. Like I, but he, he was captivating. Like I'm sure, like from a singing the song perspective, it was like amazing to watch him work. But like at least from the audience, I could tell that he had almost everyone's attention just like that. When he starts off with cheer, with like greyhounds, greyhounds. <laughs> down. <laughs> it was like, all right, that was sick. Like, don't know where it came from, but it was awesome. Was that like, was that the first time he did that, or was no, he, he that like practicing? I think he'd done practices. He'd done it. I think he'd like come, but it, like he didn't. No one ever. I don't think anyone ever said to him like, "Yo, you should do it like this." Yeah, <laughs> he just sort of came out with that. He did it in practice, like, but by far the best one was the night of. Like he did it in practice, and it was yeah. good in practice, but like. It wasn't like it was way more memorable than night of, and it was just the perfect. It was perfect the night of. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So we'll we'll segue a bit into the fight. Um, I was personally a big fan of AJR. I thought it was gonna be a great uh, song going into it. Obviously, the judges didn't go out just as well. I, I, am I wrong in saying that? Well, how did it get scored again? Second, second. Pl- second place. That's, oh, never mind. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Um, yeah. So uh, you want to talk about the fight a little bit? Yeah, I was. Um, I don't know. Steen loved the song. I, I loved the song too. Oh, we I, all loved it. I loved. The, I, I loved was the, the biggest song. fan of that song. Steen loved the song. Um, and like, I think we were we were like not sure about. Like, I personally was like, I really liked it. I'd been on my radar for a while and I remember I showed it to Steen in the off season and he loved it. And then I'm like grateful for the fact that when we were like thinking about other songs, Steen would just like sort of pull out his phone and like you'd hear the trumpets like the little beginning. And I think like eventually like we listened to it enough we're like, all right, we can't not do this. Yeah. Um and I think that like on paper, I think that was the best written press song i've been a part of like hands down i think like in terms of in terms of how it was written and like lyrically and how it just fit with the music when it was when it was done on time um i feel like one of my regrets of the summer kind of is that we didn't do more with it like i think personally i kind of knew in my head i knew georgia was doing thriller i knew they had like a, a some cool stuff planned for it and it was kind of like they can have that and we'll take the cheer um and so i don't want to say like we didn't go for the i i don't want to say we didn't go for the fight because i think we put a lot of time into like practicing and trying to get it right but i think we could have done more with like trying to find some more gimmicks or fun stuff to do that would have made it a little more memorable and given it a better chance of winning um but i think in my head i i thought that our time was better spent focusing on the cheer yeah, I was about to say, I don't think you can get down on yourself for not allocating enough time to that fight because at the end of the day, it still was a pretty good fight, but you did need to spend so much time directed at that cheer that naturally the other songs 
did suffer a little bit from it. I mean, I think you could think back to uh, like one of the more notable notable um, teams that were like that, UNLV back in 2010, they spent a lot of their energy on the cheer and their songs weren't as strong. Like that stuff doesn't, that stuff's kind of more common. So I don't think you can really get down on that. Yeah. Well, and also the thing with the fight was like people, I had like, like people, once our fight came out and like other people, other teams saw it, like people come up and be like, yo, the fight sick. Like I had alumni texting me like, your fight is crazy. It's so good. And, and I was sort of just like, yeah, it's, no, like I, I like it. <laughs> but I think our cheer is the one that's going to win, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought we could have won both, but no, we definitely had to spend, because just how much choreography we had in the cheer, we definitely had to spend more time on it. I definitely think the, like we spent less time on the yeah. fight than we probably, we definitely spent less time than we needed to if we would have, to win the fight with how good Georgia... Like, I think... I still believe if we committed to the fight, we could have won the fight. Yeah. But, like... And even if we had... I, yeah. and, and even if we did, like, that... that I, I just... as Like, I, I just feel like we could... I, I, like, I regret not giving more I, creative energy to... No, I get that, but I don't regret it. I mean, yeah. it worked. We won. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I would have loved it just because, like... As you said, like, also appreciate you putting that out there, how I was the one pushing the song from the minute I heard, heard it. No, it was like, you can ask some of the JCs, like Merlin Rose would come into the warm for the first time. As soon as they walk in, I play the song. And I'm just was trying to get into everybody's head that, like, this is the song we need to use. So Steve this credit. Let's go. No, I don't need the credit because... I'm playing, I'm playing. No, I mean, I need the credit, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, so, it, it works well. I mean, our cheer was our better song, like, it was the same thing on Ohio State. You remember everybody thought Christmas was our best song? And then you yeah, and Danny were just kind of like our fights, the one that's going to win. <laughs> yeah. So people don't know what they don't know, you know? Yeah. So I kind of thought it was the same thing where it's like the one song that gets all the hype and like everybody looks at it, it's like this is the song that's going to win. And it's like the other one's kind of the one that's better. Yeah. But yeah, it worked out well. It worked out really well in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's take a, a quick segue to the skit. Now, your skit obviously was filled with so many different jam-packed moments that we would be spending literally an hour talking about each and every scene. Um, so basically, like, if you can give a brief synopsis on one particular scene or, like, your favorite moment of the skit, go ahead and go for it. Yeah. Or anything you want to shout out or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just general shout-outs. Let me think. I'm trying to remember the scenes. Um, started with the, the Bo Burnham song, right? With, um, yeah. Which, kind of I listened to the song. I Like, the original song, I didn't listen until after you guys played it. And I, I still listen to that song to this day and think, how in the ever-living bleep do you write lyrics to that? So, obviously, kudos to you. That song was very impressive to say the least thank you i appreciate one of that the uh what was it the like the the, the sequence of lines i think it was like um eat a gyro meet a psycho contract some impetigo order doordash check the band app play some music with an ambat it's like one of my favorites wow. <laughs> it's like probably one wow. of my favorite set of lines from this skit Although you couldn't really, like, it was just going really fast, and then it was kind of loud in the background, so you couldn't really hear it, but, um, no, it was a fun song. Um, I think it's definitely one of those songs that'll get better with age. Yeah. 
we had the we had the the next scene was the was Judge James I think. Uh-huh. Uh, the love, like James killed it on that. Um, in terms of like, just getting up there and and like running a scene, you know, like he he memorized all of his lines, he delivered them well, he did a great job. Um, then we had the. I don't know. I mean, like, the, the, the thing with like the I don't know with the the Hamilton song beyond Aaron Burr, Sir, the John Durant man. There was the next scene was the. I don't remember what our other scene was, and then there was the leaf. Obviously, um, I think I don't know. The one thing generally with our skit, I'd say. Did we even have? Scene, a, did we even have a fifth scene? Yeah, there was a scene. There was a scene in between. Uh, Wasn't it the uh, Wyoming, the Ethan Mann and Robbie Moret scene? Oh yeah. Or was that later? No, that was Ethan. Because oh, we had. Before fight, we had the "Please Come to Man" like the Bo Burnham song, and then Judge James, and then after we had, uh, we had Leaf, uh, Ethan Mannon, and God, why am I already blanking on the third scene? It was John uh, John Duran Man. It was what? John Dar- John Duran. Oh, John Duran Man. Yeah, I mean, the one the one thing I'd say about our overall is like. Like again, just like a testament to our kids um, for the for the work they were willing to put into it. Like we gave them that skit the like Sunday afternoon <laughs> before press night, like Sunday morning maybe. Like two oh, so days. you had like a day and a half to work on that thing. Yeah, literally a day and a half to to do it. And like we had three elaborate musical numbers. It was like eighteen pages long. Um, like fully my fault for not just writing it earlier. <laughs> but like, it could have been a lot better if we had like one more day of practice maybe but, like kids like learned like we basically said, we gave them the script and said okay like this is it's three songs and like two like pretty short like kind of funny scenes like if we pull it off we think we can win the skit and that could probably win us college league um, but it's going to be tough like you guys need to just take this right now and like start memorizing and not really do anything else for the next day and a half and People were just like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like we blocked, we blocked the um, the John Brandman song during the during our waterfront press practice, right? Like we had to. I, I can <laughs> like I can talk more about this in depth, but like obviously we had to make a, a, some substantial changes to the fina- the final song of our skit um, with the leaf, and I think just like every step of the way, the kids took it in stride and. Uh, we're we're really willing to to go with it and, and put in the word. One quick question: Do you know the true originator of the word "leaf"? Danny yeah. Kaplan's allegedly it's, it's itself. Yeah, what's liar. your what's your take? Danny's a liar. Danny, clear the air. I texted him after after I heard that. Danny had nothing to do with the leaf, yo. Um, <laughs> nothing to do with it. Okay, so I mean, Danny did barge into. I'll give Danny this: He barged into our war room a lot. <laughs> and uh, it is true that I'll, I'll say if he hadn't lifted the curse on our team, then we might not have won college league. But I also will take some credit because I think there was some like skilled diplomacy on my part and getting the curse lifted. But that's beside the point. So um, I said, you didn't have that flash drive. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we had a song like I th- the best. I think that that was the best song in our skit, like on paper. And on, I've given JD and Dave and Waldo the, the, the script of our skit 
on like either Saturday night or like Sunday morning. Um, and you know, they, they read through them, they look through at it all and they either approve it or they say like, these are the things you should change or cut. And the last song in its original form was not cut. There were no revisions. There were no comments on it or anything. Um, and so we like took it. We were like, all right, nice. We'll start handing it out. We'll start teaching everybody Monday night like less than 24 hours before press night we're in the theater we're practicing our skit we're practicing the final song which at the time was i just came, i uh, i deserve to be a chief and after we go outside for press after, absolutely like the end press practice we bring everyone outside it was an okay press practice but like it, it was a weird vibe um just because it was so late and we didn't all day and it was like we had, had a tough loop 15 and we were just sort of like right there like all right like this is it like tomorrow's our last day like get some good night's sleep let's bring the energy like we can do this um and i go back inside and steve wants to talk to me and basically like just says like hey like i was watching last song i think like if we're going to if we're trying to get rid of the word chief from our vernacular like it's just not it's it's like not right anymore um and so i think like like the song in its current form like doesn't really work and i was you know like dang it's really less than 24 hours before press night. And like, we say the word chief a lot in this song. So what are we gonna do exactly? Um, and Steve is kind of like, uh, I don't know. You can, I, I don't know what you do. <laughs> like you change it. I was like, well, that would really kind of mess up all the rhyming of the song. Like, I guess, I guess we'll just have to cut it. Um, so like leaving the theater, my thought was, okay, we're gonna cut our final and best song from our skit our skit is not going to win anymore if it had a chance of before and we're in trouble and then i go to the staff meeting it was afterwards i talked to jd and jd is the one who kind of like laughs as i'm like telling him like hey like so anything i can do here and he's like yeah you could just say leaf it was jd it was jd and I say to JD, JD, what are you talking about? Basically, I'm like, leave. Like that doesn't make any sense, my guy. And he's like, yeah, well, you can make that the joke of it. And like we talk about it a little more. And by the end of our conversation, I'm, I'm leaving alumni hall, kind of like, okay, like you know what, that could work, I guess. Like maybe. And I talked with um, with my brother with Josh Peretsky on the phone a little bit afterwards kind of like talking talking with them through the idea. And by the end of that conversation, I was like, all right, like we can do this. Like we can make this work. We can make this funny. And like arguably even better than it would have been before. Um, and I came to the war room. I, I like basically ran it by everyone, got their thoughts. People were supportive of it. And um, that's, that's how it came to be. And I think again, like, just a testament to the culture of the team and like the, the attitude that people had that's like all right our best skit song almost gets cut the night before and we have to change it and teach everyone the new way of doing it the next day like good okay like fine we're gonna like we'll take it we'll make it better and um and that's i think that's what we did yeah there you go there you go there we go <laughs> Uh, and then we'll wrap up this conversation about uh, Miss Olivia Rodrigo and driver's license. Um, 
so there's a little backstory for my end of the song. Uh, I was in quarantine for COVID back in like February. And I was just like bored because I had endless time. And I was looking around for almost. And I find driver's license. And I shoot texts to about three or four guys, Steam being one of them, saying, hey, guys, listen up. Driver's license could be a really good alma. They all come back to me saying, no, you're an idiot. Look for something else. So here I am thinking, well, I got to keep looking. And then obviously summer comes along and I hear you guys are doing it. And I'm thinking, dang, <laughs> lost an opportunity there. And obviously you guys had a great alma nonetheless. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about that alma process a little bit? So to explain to the listeners, uh, at least the thoughts of it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of thought, we kind of just thought like, you know, let's go big or go home. We had like some more traditional all my ideas. Um, but every time, every time I heard that bridge over the, uh, over the off season, I like just couldn't help, but I, I get, I got goosebumps. That was so good. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I thought like we kind of just over time, we're like we can't not do this. We can't not try it. Um, and we we changed it a lot. You know, like it, it was by the time we did it, because there are just certain things in the rhythm that we didn't love um, or wanted to like try differently. And so we spent a lot of nights up very late, drank a lot of bang energy, <laughs> um, trying to trying to make it work and try to get to the place that we wanted to. Um, yeah, I, we almost gave it out on, I think, like, the Tuesday before, like, a week before Prez. That was our original plan, and we kind of just, like, looked at it in the state it was in, and we were like, mm, we can't do this. <laughs> and then spent the next, like, 48 hours just, like, grinding and grinding to try to really, like, get it in a place we were really happy with. Um, and I, the, by the end of it, like, I, I think we all, like, really really happy with with how it turned out and um like very very yeah i definitely think it was one of the more harder songs to pull off because i know you guys changed the entire most of the verses like if most if not all yeah uh, that i mean is was there any short like words on that like how you even began to process that or can i get one thing in real quick yeah go for mm -hmm. it first of all shout out brady hagland he did an amazing job doing the music on that, making sure everybody who was involved was prepared to play it, and just shout out Brady for being Brady. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> totally agree with that. Um, and, like, we were, we were changing up the instrumentation nonstop, too. Because um, originally we had, like, a full band, and then we were like, maybe not. Like, we want to make it a little more, like, simplistic. And we are just going back and forth and back and forth, and he was him, and, like, he was so, so great the whole time um yeah i yeah with the verses i think that the biggest thing was i don't know we were just listening we were having a tough time writing some of the verses at first and so we sort of like we're just listening to instrumental and at a certain point like we would just be like well what if it didn't go like that but instead it went like this <laughs> got a different rhythm and like we would we we would play with that a little bit and found different kinds of rhythms that we really liked and um and wrote it that way yeah. there you go there you go <laughs> and then uh there's there's one last burning question we have to ask about prez night do you do you know what i'm about to ask i know exactly what you're about to ask <laughs> what, what happens at the plaque 
is there any bit of a story you can tell about? Well, it was you know it was going to get dropped down from the rafters. Um, <laughs> Crazy Dave was going to send it down a wire. Someone didn't do. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. I, I was very lost in the moment. I just didn't. I, I, you know, no one tells you when you're a dean that it's not just going <laughs> to. That it's just going to. I don't know exactly. No one tells you that. I guess in my head it was just going to be out there. <laughs> and I, I like kind of was like just giving my speech. I was like walking back to like put my phone away or something. Um, I go back down on the stage. The team's getting set up. I, I kneel down. I realized then at that point I don't have the plaque. I look up at Robbie and make eye contact with him. I'm about to be like, hold up, I don't have the plaque. And then the music starts. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're doing the album now. <laughs> and oh, so that is... We, and then we did the, the, the plaque reveal before Georgia's cheer. Oh, my God. That's 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 amazing. That's that's the best thing ever all day. So, yeah. absolutely. That, that That's freaking awesome, man. Well, well thank you for obviously telling the story, uh, talking for us for an hour. Are there any uh, last bit of quick shout-outs that uh, you want to give tonight to the camp family, to the uh, listeners, or to the Greyhounds, anything like that? 100%. Um you know, shout out, uh, first of all, uh, I think Jared said this last one, but shout out to you guys. This is awesome. Thank you for having me on. Um, as, as you know, as someone who, who has, I'd like to think of myself as the, you know, one of the founders of the Manitou podcasting uh, world. 100%. How, how hard it is for, to, to get together and like find the time to actually like record these episodes um once a week and like you guys have been killing it on, on on that schedule and just like pumping out content and and good stuff so like it's unreal congrats and, and, and uh shout out to you guys for that shout out to <laughs> shout out to uh you know jared danny and hank um for just like an unbelievable summer i, I really like you know going in it was it was like a dream of ours from being little kids um and it was like such an honor and an unbelievable experience and dream come true to to be able to to do the league with them um shout out to you know all the greyhounds of course um my boys shout out to some specific ones i don't think i've mentioned in this episode uh staff especially uh that whole jc class um of, um, you know, of ZM, Merlin, Rhodes, Alec, uh, killed it all summer long. Zach Marcus was not supposed to be full session, made that switch. Um, you know, Johnny Merlin with the, as the editor in chief of the Trust Times, killed it all summer on that. Uh, shout out, oh, I only got shout out, Ryan Samuel killed it all year. Um, the, like so many of our new guys, like Sam Griswold coming out like with a as a with a with a vengeance. Um, absolute animal all year. Uh, Zach Carter and Luke's Cartwright. Oh my god, Mackenzie and Caleb for, for running the, the the Instagram. Um so much uh, so many guys. Uh I don't know. Just unbelievable crew. 
shout out BT for a great for a great run. Um, yeah, I don't know. So many so many people. I'm, I'm probably forgetting others, which which I feel bad about. But uh, yeah, it was unreal. Um, shout out to 2021 CIT class. Um, all those boys, and hope a lot of them are back next year as JCs to come some great great leaders of camp and deans themselves one day. Um, and shout out to you listening, you know, you're that 10 for two mindset, um, you know, dreaming about camp. Uh, yeah, it's an unbelievably special place. And um, it's, it's crazy that my college league career has ended. Um, and that like my, this huge part of my childhood is over, but, uh, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget it. And, and for you listening, treasure it every day, um, because it is, it is such a special experience that we get to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was, this was a real treat. Uh, to those of you who have stayed to the entire conversation, thank you. We value all of you guys so much. Uh, we love the support all the time. This seriously is like one of the things that I look forward to every week and. I'm really glad I'm doing this and I'm really glad that everyone here is loving the show. So once again, thank you to the listener and, um, Steen, you want anything you want to add? Just piggybacking on that. Like, again, thank you all for listening. It's the highlight of my week every week getting to sit down with Holgate and different guests every week and just talking camp. Absolutely love this. I love the positive support. It really makes my day when I get a text from Johnny Merlin saying, uh, talking about the episode or Danny's texting us, breaking down what we're saying. Like, it makes my day. It makes my week. It makes it this worth it for me. Uh, yeah, thank you all. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. And as always, stay a marvelous, Manito. <laughs> Peace.